Hello, and say hello to my little friend. Feeling a bit gangstery today. Just a bout of happiness, really, because I've finished this very long podcast. I just did a little bit of editing, but it's still really long. My name is Vinny. I'm trying to get to 100 countries, and this is country 91, which is actually an autonomous region and not really a country. But it does count according to the Bean app. B-E-E. Yeah, I'm trying to get to 100 countries. This podcast is way longer than most of my podcasts uh, because it involves a long rant about mice-related sleep deprivation, uh, which actually has nothing to do with where I am, but, you know, sometimes you need to rant about not getting enough sleep. This podcast is also way longer than most of my podcasts because it involves uh, some live music from 20 tipsy men dressed as Harry Potter. No, I didn't see that coming either. Uh, Right, let's find out where I am in the world. Uh, You already know, of course, because you read the title of this podcast, but just pretend you didn't. Oh, where am I? Let's find out in Country 91. Pin your ears back. It's a long one. Welcome along. Welcome. You can hear the distant sound of a plane got off one in fact I think that's my plane yeah it is Um, which isn't that amazing because this is a small airport and I've got into a car what was it Billy Ocean used to sing get out of my dreams and into my car you can't say that now can you you definitely couldn't come out of a song now called get out of my dreams and into my car it would have to be Get out of my dreams, and with your consent, and I want to make it very clear that you're consenting, get into my car, which you can leave at any time, and both of us are sober. I think that's what you'd be saying now. Right, anyway, if you want to find out more about where I am, well, first of all, let's tell you where I am. I haven't done the usual big razzmatazz here, although I should do, because it's quite a cool one, this. I'm in the Azores. This reversing a rental car into another rental car to start that would be brilliant wouldn't it hang on give me a second you know what it's like I mean I shouldn't be podcasting if I'm honest but I'm a bloody rebel Um, they want you to crash don't they they want you to crash because there's no way it should be parked like this a bit confused why the arrows are on the left it'd be be bloody weird if they drove on the left here being that it's essentially Portugal right What I've realised doing this intro is this isn't going to work. Apart from anything else, I haven't slept all night. It's seven in the morning. I've got in a car that I've never driven before. I'm on my own. I don't know where I'm going. I can't check into a hostel till three. So I only really got this car so I could have a sleep in it. Rock and roll. And um, here I am trying trying to tell you about where I am. Well, not a bloody chance. Not a chance. So I'm going to give up right here. But... Uh, I will do the intro that I'm in the Azores. Welcome to the Azores. And if you don't know where the Azores are, do not beat yourself up because I would suggest that most people don't know where the Azores are. Um, And I would say even most Europeans don't know where the Azores are and most North Americans don't know where the Azores are, which is kind of weird because it's between the two. So if anyone should know, it should be them. Now what do I do here? Oh, they've given me something to tap, have they? Oh, I see. Hold on, hold on. 
But I can't wait to pull over and have a decent chat with you because this is this is a shambles. Who's this nobody? Come on. There we are. And we're off. Oh, check the gasolina. They say it's full, is it? Not really. No, I'd say that's about five euro under. Who'll be getting that? Oh, Muggins, won't he? He'll be filling it up to the brim because he doesn't want a fine. Because he's got many rental cars in his past and every time it's a fucking disaster. Oh, welcome to the Azores. They're a bunch of islands that are between North America and Europe. They're more near Europe, hence the fact they're Portuguese, but don't run away with that. They're not that close to Portugal. Uh, it took five and a half hours to get here on that plane and I can't change gear. Hold on. There she blows. I just came from Toronto. Oh, I should have mentioned that. It took five and a half hours from Toronto. I don't know what it would take from England. Probably two and a, two and a smidge, two and a half. Um, and I know that it's a couple of hours to Lisbon. So, yeah, it's not that close to Portugal, really, when you think of it that way. But, um, oh man, am I glad I got this car? This was such a good idea. It's raining now. And I was going to walk this. I, I'm just looking at a roadside. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. I just, I just saw, you know when you look through 10 options and you're like, oh, I don't recognise any of them. Yeah, I know, because I haven't actually worked out where I'm going. I don't even know the name of the town. I'll find out in a minute. If you're here to find out about um, the Azores, I promise you that I will tell you a lot about the Azores and we'll have a right old time over the next couple of days. I'm only here for a couple of days. And um, we'll together go on a right adventure. But I have to admit, I've been working quite hard recently and I only stopped working yesterday and then basically went straight to an airport in Toronto. And now, here I am, the next day, it's 7 a.m., lost a night in the air, and uh, and so, you know, that's my excuse for being really shit at this. So normally I'd do a cracking intro and I'd tell you exactly how many islands there are and how far it is to everywhere and what their local economy is and why they're not particularly well populated and what their history was. I will. But I'm probably not going to do that now because of all the aforementioned stuff and I don't know all that yet. So I'm going to do a full day of research and I'll come back to you, shine in you as a pin. But I think my plan now is to go to, I have booked a, a place to stay uh, but I can't check in yet. So I'm going to head to that general direction which is Ponta del Garde. Is it? Is it? I mean, I think it is, but I'm just pulling that straight out of my memory anus. So, um, yeah, so I think I'm heading there. The sun is coming up in the distance. It's a beautiful hue of orange, which makes me think that it should burst through these rather sad clouds and give us a lovely day. But I do know that it rains a lot here. So um, if it rains, it rains. Uh, so my plan is, yeah, is to find out roughly where this Ponta del Garbi Dooby Doo is, and then I'll go there, and then I'll do, I'll have a snooze, right, and then I'll do a load of research, and then together we will go and discover whatever there is to discover. Now I do know the very basics. Ah, Ponta del Garda, Ponta del Garda. Um, I do know the very basics, which is that uh, 
Volcanic. Volcanic. It's your Portuguese Iceland. Okay? So, it's got your uh, your hot rivers, your springs, your volcanoes. There's a good reason these uh, islands are bang in the middle of the Atlantic. They're just big ass dead volcanoes. At least I think most of them are dead. We will investigate that as well. So, let's go and have a little look around this Atlantic Portuguese Iceland and see what we've got to offer. And you'll notice that I'm slightly confused by the man that just tried to pull out in front of me on a roundabout. But you know what? At least North America, at least they've got fucking roundabouts. It's the amount of time you just sit there doing absolutely nothing. Oh, I found a nice place for little snoozy poos. That's got, I'm gonna, I found a coastal snoozy poos place. I'm having that because I've suddenly hit the wall. Oh, look at that beautiful view as well. That's actually really gorgeous. I can see out into the distance what looks like a fairly rough sea. I'm sure they normally are. I mean, this is the Atlantic. And in the far distance, a rocky outcrop with absolutely, as far as I can see, very little vegetation on it. And behind that, an orange hue of the sun coming up. And for some bizarre reason, I must be tired, I've decided that I'm going to park facing the other way which looks like a degradated industrial estate so my view that side is absolutely shit but i don't care because i'm going to sleep um when i get up hopefully this whole thing will be a bit more coherent because um i didn't get a lot of sleep on the plane i don't know why my brain was just going i ended up writing some music which was fun but i didn't expect myself to do that i thought i'd probably fall asleep so Welcome to these doors. I'm going to have a sleep. Sorry, this hasn't been the best intro. Uh, if you think this is a mad podcast and you don't really understand it so far, go back to a coherent one or just carry on listening because it will become more coherent. Right, good night. Big love. Hello and welcome, my name is Vinny and I'm slightly more rested. Uh, I say slightly because it didn't go that well. Oh, this is a story of sleep deprivation. So uh, uh, before we talk about the Azores, if you really want to learn about the Azores, skip 10 minutes because I'm going to go on at least that for a rant now. In the next 10 minutes, I'm going to tell you why I'm a bit sleep deprived and tell you how it relates to me being where I am now. So I'm up a hill in a car um from the last part you heard i had to move because i found out i was next to quite a busy road actually and there were some thundering trucks going past and there was also a guy trying to do some fishing i just felt like he wanted privacy you know if you go seven o'clock in the morning fishing on an atlantic island you probably don't want some guy rocking up behind you um and falling asleep in a car you just want privacy don't you and probably fish. So anyway, I moved, and I'm going to tell you where I am in a minute. But to get there, I'm going to rewind all the way back a few weeks. Okay? So a few weeks ago, I was in Toronto, and uh, I have to go there a lot. I'm, I'm sure you know this. I'm part Canadian, and I've got a business there. So I did some business there. And uh, that business involves printing photographs on canvas is a great business and i'm very proud of it and i love being there and running it um most of the time 
But this time, it was pretty soon on that I realised that the shop slash apartment that I was sleeping in had mice. Those mice were quite well established. When I say established, I don't mean they'd like got their own kitchen utensils and jobs. Um, but they, they did have their own accommodation. It's, uh, it's mine. And they weren't paying me rent. You know, I don't want mice. Who does? Other mice, maybe. Um, cats, temporarily. And a very occasional pet shop. But most people, including me, don't want mice. I got the exterminator. He did a few things. He put some poison around the place. Every night that I went to bed, they were scratching inside the walls. And not only were they inside the walls, they were actually inside the air conditioning unit ducts. And if you want to hear a loud mouse, put a mouse in a metal duct. Mice are very nocturnal. I think I knew they were nocturnal, but I didn't know they their party hour, right? Their hour to shine, 4am, right? You remember Raul Dahl's BFG? He, he wanders down the street blowing dreams in the ears of people that are all asleep at a certain time. I believe that time is 4am. I think it's the only time that most people are asleep. Even when I was a morning radio DJ, I didn't get up till 4.44. That was the latest I worked out I could get up to the minute. And even then I had to go through red lights on the way to work. But I think I think all traffic lights are optional till about 6am. Oh no, don't park here. I'm right in the middle of a story. Oh, for fuck's sake. Tell you what, for a set of islands in the Atlantic, it's hard to get any peace around here. You want a piss, don't you? Yeah, he wants a piss. Go on, get your pecker out. Oh, this is so embarrassing. There's all this room. And he's rocked up for a piss. Right, then, ha, interesting. He walked into what he thought was a secluded area, found a fence, just about to have the pee up the fence and lost his confidence because he knew I was looking at him. Right, he's gone. Right, where was I? Toronto with mice. After a few nights of trying to sleep in this room, hearing them scratch and gnaw in the walls and the air conditioning unit, I'd put enough poison around to have some effect. I knew they were groggy. I was losing a lot of sleep. And I tell you what, right, I know I sound like I should be in the Tom and Jerry movie, but honestly... Mice are really scary at 4am. And I don't, I'm sorry, I don't care how big you are. If you're asleep, and my, my bed's on the ground, right? As I say, next to the air conditioning unit. And one comes out, as it did, and runs past your head to the effect that you can hear its little mouse pads on its little mouse feet on the wooden floor next to your head. Right? It's really scary. Also, I don't know. Is he going to get into bed with me? Because then, fuck me, I am going to be screaming to a degree that, funnily enough, the mice might be able to hear. And dogs. A mouse didn't get into bed with me. Oi, what do you mean I've had worse? Back up. They were scratching around, past my head, through, through the walls, in the air conditioning unit. And, as I said, if you want to hear a loud mouse... Pop him down a metal pipe at 4am above your head. Jesus. What are they even doing down there? Like, what are you gonna, you're not going to find food down there. 
Unless they've stored it in there. Is that what mice do? I don't know. I didn't really want to look them up at 4am. They had already taken over my thoughts to a level that was really quite worrying. You can't stop thinking about them. So then I moved out of my bedroom and moved into the middle of the shop, right, on a pull-out bed. So they'd won, right? So I had to close the door and uh, hopefully, just hope they had a load of poison. And they started procreating, as far as I can see. Um, Now, I know they're eating the poison... Like, you know those little hotel bars of soap? They were gnawing through them. That, that's, that's how big a block of poison is. And they had four of them away. But the thing is, I think the whole family, or families, were just having a little nibble here and there. You know, just, just wet the palate. Fussy eaters. And then they'd go out and have a party. And I know this because this, was, this is what happened next, right? So now, they've moved me out of my bedroom. Well done. You've won. Thanks for that. Now I'm in the shop, and my head is now by a window. And that window has a screen on it. And the screen is on the other side of the window, right? So it's like a mosquito net. So in summer, you can open the window and the screen remains. But the good thing about a screen is mice love a screen because they can use it as a receptacle to climb down. So somehow these little bastards are getting out. And by the way, if you're interested, mice can get their head through a dime, all right? For our British uh, listeners, that's 5p uh, or 5 cents in euros. Anyway, you know what I mean. They've, they're bloody small. And if they can get their head through it, they can get the rest of themselves through it. They can talk themselves into the most absolutely amazingly small spaces. So even though the apartment's new and even though it's Canada and they've got great sealed up windows because it gets really cold, they still get out. And there's nothing you can do about it. And they get out and they love foraging at about four o'clock in the morning. So now every night at about 4 a.m. they would cascade themselves down the outside of the window and then go foraging. Um, and you can hear them because every single time they go down that screen, the screen moves a little bit, which then taps the window. So it sounds like the mouse is tapping the window. I'm doing it on the car window now. All right, so imagine that. By your head, right? And then you think, oh, they've gone out. Brilliant. Because now I know their patterns. That means I'll be back in half hour. So I'll just wait for the other fucking shoe to drop. I'll just wait. Oh, half an hour later, they've been foraging. Back they come. Ascending up the screen, back into my house, living in the ceiling, not paying any fucking rent. So then I go to Warp Factor 7, right? And I go and buy all these sticky traps. And the sticky traps worked, yeah? So every day I wake up and there's a dead mouse, sometimes half dead or half alive, depending on your level of optimism in this rather sick experiment. And uh, they're wriggling around on a sticky pad. Right, so then I have to deal with that. I'm not going into that, honestly. You don't want to know. But they're completely, as well as in my walls and my ceiling, they are massively in my head. Because now, daytime, I'm lay- laying poison out for them and traps out for them. And nighttime, I can hear them. And, you know, the rest of the time, I'm on the phone to the condo board, wondering why the guy, the exterminator, hasn't turned up. And then I go out and I'm talking about them with mates and they're like, oh, mice, don't get me started. I had rats. And they're talking about that, right? So they really like to overtake your life. By the way, quick side note, talk to an old radio um, boss of mine who's working in radio in Toronto. And he said, everyone was away from the radio station. A rat gnawed through the pipe at the back of the dishwasher because 
I'll tell you what. <laughs> Sorry, I, I know so much about rodents now. The the poison dries them out, so they're desperate for a drink, right? And the reason it dries them out is that's one of the reasons they don't smell when they die because they basically just turn into dust. Yeah, isn't it lovely? My buddy there was telling me he went back to work one day and found that a rat had gnawed through the pipe at the back of the dishwasher, desperate for some meaty liquid. Doesn't get better than that if you're a rat, does it? Absolutely. You hit the fucking jackpot there. You've got water and waste food. You absolute legend. Anyway, he gnawed through that. He also gnawed through the pipe that feeds the dishwasher. So there was a flood and cost several thousand dollars worth of damage. So aren't rodents great so all this is going on it's occupying my mind and as a result i'm really losing sleep so over the last couple of weeks i really have not slept well at all um and then fast forward to now so now i'm thinking right here's what i want to do i am going to portugal i've got some work to do there not hard work but i've got a few things to do and uh on the way, I'll congratulate myself with a lovely little stop in the Azores. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? So I leave Toronto. I've left traps everywhere. I've left instructions for my staff to kill them. I've got the exterminator coming around regularly. And hopefully it's going to get rid of this problem. By the way, if you're interested why I've got mice, Toronto is developing at such a rapid state that all of the derelict buildings or defunct buildings or buildings that have just sat there for anything more than six months are full of mice and the second you take them down the mice go fucking hell i'm homeless or i should imagine more like fucking hell i'm homeless or actually more like fucking hell i'm homeless i presume i presume i mean they're not going to be like oh i'm homeless that's more ratty isn't it i'm homeless i can't believe it whereas a mouse is more i'm fucking homeless (laughs) that's a mouse that didn't get a great upbringing fucking homeless so anyway they they bugger off to wherever they can and that happens to be any building that's right next door and that's why i've got mice let's get past that and let's get on a plane so i said to myself self you deserve a couple of days of rest and relaxation fly to the azores before you have to do some business in lisbon you've never been there you get to do a podcast which you love doing and you get to drive around seeing some cool stuff And every time you're about to make a point, someone pulls up next to you for a pee, like is happening now. Here's another one. This time it's women. Oh, this could be weird. Oh, I feel a bit uncomfortable if it's women. Yeah, keep trucking, baby. Keep trucking. Oh, they're doing the driver swap. Thelma and Louise. Driver swap. A lot of times I've done a driver swap in my life, it's been the result of an argument. I can't do it anymore. Just drive yourself then. Or... I don't know which way it is. Why don't you do the directions? Anyway, they've gone now. Oh, they've gone back the way they came. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So it's the latter. That's why. Right. They've gone back the way they came, which means someone was navigating and someone got it wrong. So they swapped jobs. (laughs) Uh, You do get wiser as you get older. Right. Uh, so I said to myself, self, go to the Azores, have a couple of days, relax and see some stuff. So that's what I did. Now, I arrived, as you know, this morning. I didn't sleep on the plane. I haven't slept for weeks properly. So why, after all of your mice, Vinny, after all of your problems, would you stay next to this busy road, drive inland, right? Go up some random little street, park up. Um, 
on a road in the middle of nowhere and relax. So I did exactly that. And about two kilometers from here, down the hill, is where I wound up. And I had a sandwich ready, and I had a drink, and I thought, I'll eat this, and that'll knock me out, and I'll sleep, finally. And I don't even have to think about mice. I don't have to think about them. I'm sure there's some on this island, but I ain't going to have anything to do with them. So I did that, and what I now know is this. On these islands, there's less than 300,000 people. There are nine islands in the Azores, nine. And on all nine of them, there's less than 300,000 people. But from my experience parking up a couple of kilometres away from where I am now, I can tell you that all 300,000 people have a tractor. Because I have never been so plagued by tractors. First it's mice, then it's tractors. Every bastard time I fell asleep, a tractor came past. And then, because I presume some of them were the same tractor, right, I think they started thinking, is this guy dead? Because I was sleeping across the car with my feet hanging out the window, and I hadn't moved. Because, you know, mice. And tiredness. And so, uh, the last thing that happened was uh, a tractor came past and lay on the horn to see if I was dead. Yeah, so he lay on the horn, a uh, Portuguese fella, uh, gave me a smile when I woke up. I didn't give him a smile, because um, I gave him a face that said, look mate, I haven't slept properly for weeks, I appreciate it's weird sleeping in a car up the hill when you're trying to do some tractor stuff and farming and all that stuff that you guys do, but I want a bit of shut-eye, because I had a rodent problem a few thousand miles from here, which you won't be able to relate to, but trust me, I just need to sleep. Um, but it is very hard to give that look. Um, plus, there's the language divide. You know what I mean? Let's get a bit of air in. And I will explain where I am. Okay. Well, thank you for bearing with that rant. I know that much like the problem I suffered with rodents, you had to suffer and endure in some ways, as I explained it. And I think there's a good chance that a lot of people that are listening to my podcast for the first time and may have clicked on it because they're thinking about a trip to the Azores and now looking at their device thinking, how is this guy still going on? And all I've managed to learn in all this time is that there's a lot of mice in downtown Toronto, and I've learnt fuck all about the Azores, apart from there's less than 300,000 people there, and there's nine islands. I mean, you've got to take what you can. Do you know what I mean? I hope you learnt that in amongst the rants, because they were solid facts. So, thank you. I am up a hill in a cloud, um, away from tractor land. I've managed to... I've now realised that I was basically in the driveway of one of the biggest farms in the Azores, so... My fault. But now I'm going to go up the hill. I'm following a sign. You know those brown signs that you see? Um, this is this is how well I am planned for this trip. I don't know where anything is and I don't know what to see on this island. But I know there's some cool stuff. And I figured rather than actually look stuff up, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to follow brown signs. Brown signs are tourist signs. Anything brown, I'll just follow that and it'll be something touristy. So I'm following a brown sign. I don't know what it said on the brown sign. And I don't know where the thing is that the brown sign is pointing to. But I'm definitely on my way to a brown sign thing. 
Um, and if, if you're not familiar with brown signs, for example, you might be from the Americas. I don't believe you have brown signs. In Europe, we have what's known as um, history. And so what we've done is we acknowledge the fact that sometimes it's a good idea not to bulldoze it and building a massive highway with an Arby's on it. And what we've done is we've come up with this incredible system where we actually preserve some of it. And then to let people actually see it, you point at it with a brown sign. And that's when you know it's a tourist thing. OK, great idea. Try it sometime. Try it. Because I've just spent time in Canada and I have to say, uh, with the exception of a few places, the uh, the job that you've done by uh, preserving your history um, is nothing short of fucking atrocious and uh if you really want some clarification on that i would like to steer you to fort york in particular which uh is the original settlement of toronto which has been developed around in every possible manifestation including an elevated highway called the gardener which i quite often go on about because that has to be one of the most stupid fucking things i've ever seen in the world you've got a lovely lake what are you gonna do I don't know, build a massive elevated highway along it? Sure. What else? Load of condos? Yeah. Okay. Commercial buildings? Absolutely. Coffee shops that are a chain? Mmm, yes please. Doesn't this look a bit like a homogenised shit box? Yeah. <laughs> and no one can run here now. <sighs> Never mind. Toronto. Um, I don't work for the tourist board. Right, I've, I've had enough. I'm going to go and see some stuff. I actually did manage to get a couple of hours sleep, I think, so... Despite my moaning, I feel better than I did. And now, I think I'm going to go and check some stuff out. So, what can I possibly do to thank you for listening to that rant? I think the best thing I can do is try and give you a bit of what you expected. And let's go and look at the Azores. Okay, let's do a thing. I'm just about to get out of the car at Miradoro do Cerrado das Freias. Miradoro do Cerrado das Freias just means lookout point of Cerrado das Freias. This viewpoint, if it wasn't pissing down with rain, would offer a panoramic view of the Sete Cidades Lagoon. And uh, it's located at the bottom of a mountain on the way to Sete Cidades. I'm not very good at pronunciation. I'm quite good at the enthusiasm, though. Uh, from this viewpoint, a closer view of the Blue Lagoon and surrounding land is obtained. I don't know much about it, but basically, if you Google a picture of the Azores, the first couple of hundred are going to be pictures of this lake and various other lakes that are very clearly formed from volcanoes. So the original bad boys that made the very islands that I'm on still exist and they are now large lagoons. Now, I can tell already from the tourists that are coming out of their cars, taking a quick snap and getting back in, that you can't see anything. But, I'll, I'll talk you through what a cloud looks like anyway. Um, because, you know, I'm here now. I've seen, I've seen craters before. I'm not that bothered, to be honest. I'm sort of more interested in people, really. Like, there's a couple there wearing the same shirt. Why do you need to do that? I don't, I don't understand it. We all know you're a couple. And even if we don't know you're a couple, why do you need me to know that you're a couple? Imagine going out with the same shirt as your partner. Like, if I turned up at the restaurant and my partner was wearing my shirt, 
I have to put a jacket on. Just because I know that someone like me would be looking at me thinking, Wazak. And I don't normally care what people think about me, but I certainly would if I was wearing the same shirt as my partner. I think that's that talky bit has got us to our view. Oh, that is rather tidy, actually. The clouds have dispersed. And I can describe what I see, which, yeah, I will double down on my previous description. Basically, it's just a, a huge crater. About five kilometres across. Um, pretty much round. And within it is a giant lake. Which then actually goes on to meet another lake. Two lakes meeting. And there's a, just a small dam between them. And a small dwelling of, I've already looked it up, just under a thousand people. In uh, very simple little white houses, all dotted along the uh, flatter bank. Uh, away from the sort of more mountainous lip. And uh, yeah, it is beautiful. Even on a day like today. So I'll do the obligatory photos. Well, I'm still in the car. I've dropped down a little bit now to the coastal area and I've seen a couple of quite good looking houses dotted along a rugged cliff line. There are some beautiful beaches here in the Azores, but I'm not sure I'm in the right part for that. Uh, also, the weather's not great. If you really want to go to the Azores and get uh, summer temperatures, go in the summer. Yeah, there's no great trick to it. Um, June's arguably one of the best months to come. It doesn't get too hot and uh, you get a lot of sunshine. But anyway, the fact is, and it is a fact, Lisbon gets way better weather than here. Yeah, if you're coming here for the weather, I wouldn't necessarily come. If you're coming here for the lushness and the sheer greenery, then yeah, definitely. And of course, if you're a geologist or a seismologist or a volcanologist or any ologist that's got anything to do uh, with tectonic plates, then this is obviously a place for you as well. I'm here in the island of San Miguel. So there's nine islands. I'm in San Miguel. I'll run you through it, actually, if you're interested. The eastern islands, there's an eastern group of two. São Miguel and Santa Maria, obviously they do love a bit of religion, the Portuguese, so it was always going to be lots of saints' names. Central group, you've got your uh, Graciora, your São João, your Pico, your Tercia, and your Fael. Did I pronounce that correctly? Let's not put any money on this, because you're going to lose it. Corvo and Flores in the western group, so... I read The Lonely Planet, it annoyed me because it says exactly halfway between the USA and Portugal, you'll find the Azores. It absolutely is not exactly halfway through. In the USA, it's nearer to Canada, so you're talking shite. Now, I should get a globe and a piece of string to prove this theory because I'm looking at a map and that's never the best way of doing it. But I haven't got a globe and I haven't got a piece of string, so I'll have to put that one on the back burner for now. Having driven around about half of the island so far actually today um the word lush is the one that just keeps coming to mind everything is so unbelievably green um and the other word i would say is sparse i mean sparse of people so lush vegetation but where is everyone it is quiet like the main road that i'm taking into the capital now is 
one lane each way, and it is quite... The, the capital, Ponta Delgada, does have quite a buzz to it, and actually quite a lot of traffic, and it would appear that nearly everyone on the island must live there, because all these other tiny little towns that I've gone through are just that, really tiny. And as I speak to you now, I am... I don't know, it doesn't really matter, at some place in the middle of nowhere, and um, I just wonder what people do. You know, when you go to places like this and you think, so what, what do you do? Now, some of them are holiday homes for... I'm just going to do a bit of driving. Some of them are holiday homes for Portuguese people, of course, that want to get away. Yeah, so there's a giant holiday home to my right that overlooks the beach. Looks very modern and sexy. That's obviously for some Portuguese tourist. And who knows? Maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know. They're all Portuguese, I should imagine. Uh, perhaps being that we're in the EU, maybe we've got some Germans. Maybe we've got... Uh, I was going to say maybe we've got some Irish people. Actually, I very much doubt it. I, if I lived in Ireland, I probably wouldn't be coming to... Uh, a smaller island that is rainy and green I, so I doubt there's any Irish people here with holiday homes but yeah it's, um, it seems it seems like going back in time to a certain degree the, the houses that aren't beautiful are quite dilapidated and I've just passed two kids on a BM one's on a BMX and the other one is on the stunt nuts do you remember them do you remember the stunt nuts I love them you know, when you go to Latin America today, you quite often see married couples, the guy peddling and the uh, woman on the back on the stunt nuts. And it's like, actually, that's just a really clever way of getting around. That actually makes a lot of sense. I don't know why in, the, in most Western civilizations, stunt nuts are... By the way, if you don't know what stunt nuts are, they're the pegs at the back, yeah? I don't know why they're called stunt nuts. Maybe they're not, actually. I'm starting to doubt myself, if I'm completely honest with you, because why are they called stunt nuts? But anyway, you know the pegs on the back that you can you can put on, on the uh, back wheel and it means you can take a passenger bloody logical so yeah we're, as I go through that another sort of piece of uh, nostalgia coming back to me I kind of thinking that everything is a little bit yesterday here which isn't surprising it hasn't had a big population increase in a long time in fact if you look at the population graph it's stayed pretty much flat since 2000 um, you know people are born here but of course when given the opportunity, a lot of them leave. And possibly, if you listen to the podcast on the Isle of Man, it might be quite similar to that, because what you tend to find is young people think, ah, oh, I don't like this, it's boring, I'm going to go and hang out in Lisbon, or in uh, the Isle of Man's case, Liverpool. And then, after hanging out there, going to university, they think, oh, I miss my old family, and it was nice over there, and I like greenery and plants, and I hate crime, I'm going back. So you probably find the same thing here. I bet all the young people leave and go and hang out in Lisbon and Porto. And then, you know, all the old people remain. And then when those young people get a bit older, I should imagine a fair few of them say, actually, let's go back to the island. Or let's go and get a holiday home on the island um, if we can afford it, right? So you've got a very small, young population and a very large, older population. Meaning, if you come here for the nightclubbing, you fucked up. I don't think it's the place for you. As I meander now back towards the capital city, I um, look to my right and see a large cliff, and down at the bottom there is some crashing waves of a very blue sea. I should imagine this is really gorgeous when the sun comes out, because all these 
old, slightly dilapidated buildings will really elude some charm. Now you may be interested as to why there's a direct flight to Toronto from the Azores, or vice versa, I just came from Toronto. Why is there a flight to Toronto, of all places, from the Azores, but not to London, which is of course far more populated and far closer? Why is it? What is the connection between Toronto and our friends here in the Azores? The answer really is to be found in Dundas Street and the surrounding areas of Toronto. So for example, there's a car dealership on Dundas Street in Toronto called Azores Cars. Why? Well, in a word, migration. There's a little Portugal in Toronto. In fact, I used to live there when I first moved to Toronto. And uh, it's changing quite a lot, as is with everywhere, but um, you'll still see signs of Portuguese patisseries. You'll still manage to get, even in even though it's the heart of Toronto, you'll manage to get one of those lovely pastel de natas, otherwise known as custard tarts, the classic Portuguese bad boy. So why did people leave? Well, let me pull over for that one because I want to get the name right. I'm terrible with names, and although I have studied quite a lot of Portuguese history, I, for some reason, can't get this guy's name right. I'll tell you what I think it is, and then I'll look it up and tell you if I'm right. So I think his name is Salazar, and I think he was the dictator that was in charge of Portugal. So, you know, Italy had Mussolini, Germany had Hitler, England had Boris Johnson, only joking, but am I? Um, Spain had Franco and Portugal had, oh my God, I've actually got it right. I should have more faith in myself. Antonio Salazar. He died in 1970. He was prime minister from 1932 to 1968. So yeah, dictatorship. And if you don't know his name, it's probably because he was kind of overshadowed by everyone else. And although he was an arsehole, he wasn't that much of an arsehole. So Mussolini, way bigger arsehole. Hitler, way bigger arsehole. Franco, way bigger arsehole. And I'm not doing that in order. I mean, they're all arseholes. When you get to that level of arseholery, it's quite difficult to level who is the biggest arsehole, isn't it? But there you are. So Salazar was an arsehole, but he wasn't that much of an arsehole. He was a bit of a weird one as well, because unlike a lot of dictators, he was actually quite cautious with money. He was an accountant, and um, for that reason, that he, he was very frugal. In fact, legend has it that he refused to put on the heating um, in his own office, even when he was at his, the height of his di dictatorship, because he thought, well, why don't I just put on a coat and that will save money? Bizarre behaviour for a dictator, and it's quite difficult to put him in a box. But the reason so many people left Portugal is because of that guy. And despite him being an accountant, he was just absolutely shite with money. So he decided, when everyone else was giving their colonies back, right, when everyone was giving their countries back that they'd stolen out of Africa, um, when, when those countries becoming independent, so, for example, when the Brits gave back Ghana, when the French gave back Mali, blah, blah, blah. When everyone gave their countries back, 
The Portuguese didn't. And they said, well, hang on a minute, we really need to co- keep hold of our countries, or Salazar did. He said, if we're going to do anything here, we're going to keep hold of these countries and we're going to keep spending money to run the military to make sure that the countries we own in Africa, Mozambique and... Uh, begins with A, give me a second... Angola, um, are, uh, are continue to be our colonies. Also, they did some stuff in the Far East, but we won't get into that. So this guy said, right... We're going to pump a load of money into these places and the military to make sure that they remain ours and try and shift the nat- natural resources from them. Um, I don't know how that bit went um, because I know that Angola does have huge amounts of oil. So I don't know if he ever managed to get any money out of Angola in that sense. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Whatever happened, clearly there was a financial catastrophe And a lot of people in Portugal had a terrible life and said, fuck this, I'm getting out of here. And unlike um, so many countries just mentioned, they haven't really ever recovered, right? So not only did they spend a lot of money very late looking after stuff that was inevitably not going to work out, but they also, uh, Portugal also, um, never really recovered in the way that, for example, Germany and Spain did, right? So Germany builds cars and aerospace and and the Spanish have their own car brand, say it, and, you know, they're quite, quite mechanically minded. And Portugal didn't do any of that stuff. So this is a really long-winded way, and some of it might not be entirely bang on, but basically what I'm saying is everyone that left Portugal, and particularly the Azores, did it because they were poor and they wanted a better life elsewhere, which, let's be honest, is a pretty classic reason. Economic migration. So they uh, mostly went to Toronto, and that is why you can still fly back to the Azores today, because the two are very much linked up. Now, that guy, Mr. I want to keep my coat on even though I'm a dictator because I want to keep the power bills down, his whole thing was, why don't we have pluricontinentalism pluricontinentalism <laughs> it's probably easier to say in Portuguese pluricontinentalism uh, it was the basis of Salazar's territorial policy a conce- the conception of a Portuguese empire you know, as a unified state that spanned multiple continents but after Salazar fell into a coma in 1968 a fella came along and said yeah I don't think this is working out. So a new guy came in, his name Thomas, and he dismissed Salazar from the position of Prime Minister. Hard to be a Prime Minister when you're in a coma. It was at that point that the world started to realise that, yeah, okay, Franco was worse, Hitler was worse, but this guy was a giant arsehole. Systemic repression of civil and political rights, mass torture, arbitrary arrests, concentration camps, police brutality... And electoral fraud, of course, uh, because he almost definitely didn't get voted in continuously. And colonial wars that left hundreds of thousands dead. So, although you've never heard of him, and although he's overshadowed by many other arseholes, this guy was a giant arsehole, and he lasted 48 years. And that is still why it's 90 cents for a coffee. And I know that because I just bought one. And there's places in Lisbon that it's 70 cents for a coffee. And a beer is still sometimes as little as a euro. Portugal is still a poor country. And why? Because it's behind. And why is it behind? Because of an arsehole. That arsehole. 
He was challenged a few times, but no one ever really got away with it. The guy that got closest was a guy called Roberto Delgado. If you recognise that name, it's because that is the name of the airport in Lisbon, which I'll be flying into in a couple of days' time. Why does he have an airport named after him? Well, he was General of the Portuguese Air Force. Uh, so he had a go at it, at taking over from old Salazar. Got in a bit of a fight, did a runner, went to Spain, and then got killed by the secret police of Salazar's rule in Spain. Murdered. Um, so yeah, Salazar was an arsehole, I think many historians have said. And 48 years he was around, so he really did have a lot of time to have quite a negative impact on Portugal, and by extension, of course, on the Azores. Now, this is just a hunch. I also feel like there's probably a good chance that because the Azores is such an afterthought, geographically, that I bet if Portugal was suffering financially, the Azores were suffering even more. So Salazar died in 1968, and you would think, wouldn't you? You'd think, OK, well, that must be great for everyone. At that point, I presume, all the uh, policies that he came up with and the secret police and the you know general crapness all went away. But actually, it didn't. Salazar saw no prospects for his regime beyond his death, but the Estado Novo, his regime, persisted under the direction of another guy who was uh, Salazar's longtime aide as well as well-reputed scholar. Uh, he was a statesman, he was a distinguished member of the regime. So he was the sort of logical choice to go in there. So from 68 all the way through till the 25th of April 1974, so another six years basically, even though Salazar wasn't around, his, his warped and repressive and generally shitty policies were pushed and the country suffered as a result. The revolution finally happened um, on the 25th of April 1974, which, by the way, is the name of that big red bridge in Lisbon that looks a bit like the San Francisco Bridge. And it's also uh, a very important date in Portuguese history. And even today, on the 25th of April, they all go out with red, red carnations on uh, because it's called the Carnation Revolution. It was the end of Salazar and his policies and the guy that followed him afterwards. It was the end of all of that stuff. And it happened with a military coup. Classic. And uh, they overthrew the uh, government. And then the new guys came in, left-leaning, a bit more groovy and way less repressive. So, if you want a good party, get yourself to Lisbon on that day, the 25th of April, and you'll see lots of people dancing in the street with red carnations. And so they should. That is the Portuguese independence day right that's enough of that i'm knackered again I'm, honestly my sleep pattern's all over the show i really need to check into this hotel now i still haven't done it i've just been driving around the island having snoozes like an old man and then waking up and seeing stuff and looking stuff up it's quite a nice way to spend the day i suppose could be worse but um hopefully that was a good little bit of history to give you a look um i think i did do a, a portuguese podcast once but it was um, a long time ago and I'm not sure if I've ever included any of that history I love mainland Portugal so much it actually hurts it is quite simply without doubt one of the best countries in the world as I've said many times before so let's get me to my hotel and let's be having a beer I think that's the plan I think I deserve it so as I drive now, winding along the coast road with the Atlantic Ocean to my right, 
I'll leave it there for now. I hope you enjoyed that. See, I'm not just a pretty face. Ta-ta, big love. Welcome to the zoos. There's a <laughs> Go on, girl. Oh, here comes another. Yeah, cuidado. Boy, boy, go, go, go get them. So that's the sound of. There's a lot to take in there, actually. Two women screaming in the rain as Mercedes Benz drive past on cobbles. And you can still hear her screaming. It's not achieving much. Um, I think, like many people here, they're Portuguese. But Portuguese people from the mainland, or as they call it, the continent, that come here. I'm about to say it doesn't rain in Lisbon, but it doesn't just go off and on, and then off and on. Like us Brits, we're used to this. We can handle this, right? We dwell in a doorway and wait it out whilst making a podcast. And that's the thing with, with Western European rain. I don't think it's got enough balls. I like a, a decisive rain, you know? Like an Indian rain, a monsoon, a Colombian rain. One that says, right, I'm turning on, I'm giving you everything I've got, and in about ten minutes, I'll have fuck all left. I will destroy you, and you'll need a boat if I carry on more than twenty minutes. That's the kind of rain I need. Ah, oh, you bastard. Bastard. I bought suede shoes. Fuck. So I got off the rainy path and I came into a tiny little bar. It's probably about 15, 16 feet across. It's an archway and it feels like a lovely little den of iniquity. When I came in, it was pissing down with rain and that was my excuse for coming in. I haven't got that excuse now because it's stopped, but here I am. But what I want you to listen to is a man that should have decks. Azorian slash Portuguese people that are very happy. The barman, who is also the DJ, he's a good DJ. He's absolutely fucking excellent. If he had some decks. He is mixing YouTube videos. I've never seen this done. I like his attention to details, but let's get this guy some decks. There's about another one minute left on this track because I'm looking at his computer screen. So what he does, when it gets to the end of one YouTube track, he pulls up a new browser window, types in his new thing, starts that, and then using just the volume on the browser, fades it up. Essentially, he's like me at 15 when I had two tape decks. Obviously, it sounds fucking terrible, like me at 15 with two tape decks. And that's why I'm starting a new charity, DJ equipment for Azorians. Azoriansneeddecks.pt Right, he's got about 35 seconds left. Let's see how he does. 
Oh, he's chatting as well. This could go massively wrong. He's got about 20 seconds left and he's walked over to the computer. He's cut his conversation off. He's starting a new browser window. He's got. He's typing in a new track. It's on a playlist that he's already prerequisited. And oh, there's a gap. Oh, only a small gap. Only a small gap. Actually, you know what? In fairness, as as far as the bar's concerned, that was seamless. Earlier on, he was doing beat mixing, and he made a fucking terrible job of that. But actually, I just think fair play. He's running a bar. He's running a whole DJ set of YouTube. Send the Azorians decks. They need them. My God, they need them. Do you have any turntables in your loft? Then send them to the main city on the main island on one of the main roads. Just down a bit. Down a bit. That one. Yep, that one. Just pop that on the envelope. I'm sure it'll get here. There we go. I had a lot of fun last night, nice meal and a few drinks and uh, I got very, very wet on the way home. Uh, so all my clothes are hanging around my Airbnb and I woke up this morning and so I thought, did someone break in in the middle of the night and hang themselves? Bit of a dark thought, but then I realised it was my jacket hanging up above me. So, you know, turned out well. Um, so here I am up a volcano so I wanted to go for a nice 10k run on the, in a mountainous region so I've driven up here to the top of a volcano hundreds of thousands of years ago when this island and all the other islands around it were formed uh, it was just the classic shifting of the old tectonic plates that produced a big old plume of sulfury gubbins that then turned into the Azores and of course the volcanoes that created them albeit not active well these ones aren't uh, there was one in the 50s on another, on another island and they needed to evacuate but uh, these particular ones are dead but they are very really beautiful to look at well they would be if you could see your hand in front of your face so I've decided this was a terrible idea it started raining on the way up and it's really pissing it down now so I don't think I'm going to do it um, I'm going to get out of the car in a second, but then I'm going to get back in it and drive down to the beach and have a little run down there and see if I can find somewhere that's... Even if it's rainy, I don't really mind, as long as I can just roughly see where I'm going. Because, you know, you don't want to fall into a volcano. That's not the that's not the vacation I asked for. Vinny's Vile... Mm. Vinny's Vile Vault into a volcano on vacation. I am playing for time because... I don't really want to get out of the car. Let's just do it. Oh, God, it looks miserable. There's not a tourist for miles. My ears popped on the way up. It's a nice... Oh, that's gross. Oh, yeah. Let's see if I can see anything. Sorry about the wind. Oh, my God. I can't see fucking anything. Forget it. Forget it. It's freezing cold. Absolutely howling a bastard. Oh, terrible idea this was. Right, I'm going down the beach. Oh, you bastard. Yesterday I was looking at a dead volcano and couldn't see much, but I saw the basics. That was in the west of the island. And then there's another one in the east of the island. That's the one I just attempted to look at. 
and uh, I couldn't really see my hand in front of my face. So I've gone down to Rib Ribiera Grande, which is a beach on the north side of the island, uh, which means I've done a good chunk of the island now. I feel like I've, I know this place all right. And uh, this is a popular place for bodyboarders. It's a big black sand beach and I hope to go for a run along it. And I really want a coffee as well to set me up for the day. Particularly, I just love Portuguese coffee. It's like 80, 90 cents. And it's just a cheeky little espresso. I like a little bit of water in it, so I, call, I ask for a cafe chayou, otherwise known as a coffee full. I think that literally means coffee full. I think I'll just keep going down, don't I? Isn't that how beaches work? You basically go downhill till you get to a beach. It'd be weird going uphill to a beach. Look at me, just knowing topography. There's a bloody cafe. I got a bloody cafe and I got parking. I got everything at once. Honestly, life, life's a beautiful thing. Uh, one of the things I like about islands is they're always a bit more chilled out. You don't have to pay for parking. Having said that, I come from one. And uh, you know now in London, not only do you have to pay for parking, that's obvious, but you have to pay to drop people off. There's a five pound drop off at um, Gatwick and Heathrow. So just, just to drop someone off. So now people drop people off to save the fiver at a petrol station nearby and make them walk. Which means that sometimes you see a group of people walking in the middle of the road. So well done. That's kept things safe. Oh, that was a lovely day, I have to say. Now I'm back in my Airbnb with my four beds. I didn't really need four. I asked for one, but it's out of season. And I've got four. I've got plenty to choose from. Um, so I'm enjoying myself just having a glass of wine right now. I had a 10k run in uh, uh, Ribiera Grande, which is a town in the north of this island, which I really recommend. It's got black sands, volcanic sands, quite a nice beach and very rugged. Feels a bit like the Algarve, really rugged, rocky, um, occasionally giving way to a rather tremendous beach. So well worth a visit and a good place for a run as well because it's nice and flat, unlike the rest of this island. So that was a good shout. I was chuffed for that, had a good little time. And then I drove my car back to the airport which is a bit weird because I wasn't leaving. But I just, I've got this really annoying flight. It goes at six in the morning and the car rental place doesn't open till five. And I just know there'll be a queue of cars. And then if they say something like, you've scratched it, I'll just go, sure, yeah, just charge me whatever you want. And I'll, cause, cause I've got to go and I'll run in a mad panic onto the plane and uh, regret my life decisions. So I thought, hang on a minute, why don't you just take the car back, right? So I drove the car back to the airport and then got out of it, gave the keys back, got the all clear, and then walked to my Airbnb. Yeah, walked. It's brilliant. 3.5K took about 45 minutes, and I walked back to my Airbnb, which is where I am now. And later on tonight, very, very late tonight, well, early tomorrow, I'll be walking back to the airport, um, which I've never, I've never walked to or from an airport anywhere in my life. And the first time I've ever done it, I'm going to be doing it twice. So, good. Um, I hope you got that. It's all terribly confusing. But all you need to know is, if you're staying in Ponta Delgada, the large city on the island, the most likely possible place you will fly into the Azores, you can walk into town. Which is brilliant. So, I'm very happy here. I did some research today, obviously, and you knew it was coming, didn't you? Um, I looked quite heavily at 
to a photography exhibition in Riviera Grande, and which is permanent, by the way. If you do get to Riviera Grande, go to the large mosaic ball, right? You'll see what I mean when you get there, and just look at the photographs next to it. Absolutely mind-blowing. It's all about all the people that left, because they all left from a pier there. And as I said earlier in this podcast, you know, a lot of people did go to Canada, but it wasn't just Canada. It was Australia, New Zealand, uh, UK, America. And a lot of them actually weirdly went to Hawaii and uh, Bermuda as well. They thought, you know, I fancy island life. I'm good at fishing. I'll just go and do it somewhere where it's a lot more prosperous. So a lot of them did leave from that pier. That pier was called the Salazar Pier. So how weird is that? Just think about that sort of bizarre irony. You're leaving a country that's not prosperous, partially, although not entirely, due to a dictator called Salazar, and you're leaving from the Salazar Pier, and you're never coming back. That's it. If you're a dude, you're going on your own, and your wife will join you later. She says she will. That's how they did it. All the lads went in one boat, and all the women went uh, when the lads were a bit more established at a later date. Uh, so they left from the Salazar Pier, men first, women afterwards, and as they walked along, um, they knew that they would never see their homeland again. Now, although Salazar was a giant arsehole, as previously mentioned, as many history books will echo, it wasn't entirely his fault. I have learned that there was a volcano that actually did kick off in the 50s, and due to that natural disaster, there was a mass migration from that. And a lot of countries said, hang on a minute, we should probably do a special visa deal. Uh, so Canada and the US said, hey, you guys from the Azores, you're all right. If you want to come on over, we'll let you in because we know you've had a hard time. So it's nearly time for me to go out for dinner. I might take you with me. I might not. I haven't decided yet. Uh, please don't feel rejected if I don't. Um, but I will tell you this. I've really enjoyed my time here. It's been very brief. And I should mention that if I did it again, if I wasn't on my way from Canada to the UK, right, if, and let's even say when, when I do it again, um, I wouldn't just go to Sao Miguel. I think you've really missed something if you just go to Sao Miguel, the island that I'm on at the moment. I think that, I think that it's just, it's just so much more to see. And looking into the other islands, like they're properly mental, some of them. The, the geography is just incredible and the hiking must be epic and it reminds me a lot of when i was in cape verde and i landed in uh, mindelo uh, which was all very nice for a few days and i thought yeah this is all very interesting and then i got a boat to sant anton a neighboring island without an airport and it blew my fucking mind it was absolutely epic and it still is one of the most beautiful places i've ever been in the world and i can't help thinking that exactly the same is probably the case here come to san miguel walk from the airport hang out in town here and then uh, hang out here for a couple of days, grab a car, drive around the island, see some beaches, see some volcanoes, but get a boat and go hiking or running or whatever you're into, climbing on one of the other islands. There's plenty to choose from. San Miguel, 759 square kilometres, the biggest one. And then the smallest of them all, Corvo, uh, which is 17 square kilometres, right? And you must be thinking, well, I presume no one lives on that one. They do. Yes, they do. They really do. Corvo, the smallest of them all, has a population of 430. 430, that's it. It's just like, you look at it from the air, it's so unbelievably obviously a volcano. So it's just this big rim full of water, and then there's a flat bit, and they're like, shall we knock about there? Yeah, come on then. 
I mean, think of the gossip there. 430 people. Think of how many people of that are called João. Because nearly everyone, male in Portugal, is called João. So 430. Honestly, I would like to do an experiment. Just stand with a megaphone in the city that is on the island of Corvo and just go, João, come here! And just see how many Joals you get out of 430 people. Let's assume that there's normally more women than men and women live longer. So let's assume there's 200 men. I would say that 100 of them are going to be Joal, right? You can get 100 Joals. I mean, if this is, these are the things I would do if I was a millionaire. Honestly, I would. I, I'm not sure I could have any more entertainment than going to remote island in the Azores with a megaphone and calling Joal. Free beer for Joal. Super Bock all round. It's going to be brilliant, isn't it? And then just get pissed with a load of Joals. In a nutshell, if you're doing a transatlantic, why not stop here? Well done, you. Absolutely cracking little breakup, and it was something new to do. If you're just coming to these islands, then obviously don't just go to one of them. Um, big love. I'm under a duvet, and it's it's steamy. The things I do for you. Get your hand off my watsits. Big love. Ta-ta. Popped out for a nibble, and... Um, Walking down what appears to be Restaurant Road, pedestrianised mosaic tiles on my feet, 22 degrees, really beautiful evening, not raining for once, and as I walk down I see a bunch of lads wearing black, but this ain't no funeral, because they've all got instruments, let's walk past them and see what happens, I'm not sure I can get past slightly intimidated by how many of them there are. There's 20 of them. Right, I don't know what they're doing out there, but I'm coming in for a beer and then I'll bring it outside and make sweet, sweet music with them. Amigo, it's a mess, a poor favor. Yes, yes. yes, please. Two amigo. Oh, okay. It's a party in the university. Ah. Por que? Sábado? Hmm. Oh. Saturday is enough. I don't think it was one for a chat, but um, he said they were having a party because it's Saturday. So let's go and hear what they've got with my three euro beer. so far I'll try and talk you through it there's a fellow in the middle wearing a full three-piece suit and coat dancing which is um he's doing a weird dance basically his dance involves him doing like scissor kicks 
and touching his feet, and then he has a little break. A lot of harmony. Nearly everyone looks a bit like their Harry Potter. They've all got glasses on. Tambourine man has just stopped to do up his jacket. Not sure why. He was dancing earlier. There's about 20 of them in total. You've got your squeeze box guy, a bunch of guitarists, a few drummers, all with hand percussion. Little guy with a mandolin. Portuguese, can you email me and let me know what this is all about? Or Azorian, maybe it's an Azorian thing. Still can't work out why they're wearing funeral gear. I know this one. Random man who was eating a plate of pasta next to me has just got up to do a dance. This, this one's a bit of Beach Boys. Hey! Dancing man's back, doing his thing. Legs everywhere. Looks a bit like he's gone mental. Yeah, he looks a bit like he's having a breakdown. Hey! Not many tourists. There's probably about as many tourists looking at them, filming them, as there is people in the band. I do like a squeeze box. Thanks to the Germans for that one. Made its way all over the world. Big up the squeeze box, otherwise known as the accordion. Oh, I think they're having a little break. Oh no. Well, maybe it'll give me an opportunity to tell you what I'm looking at. I'm outside a restaurant with my three euro beer. Three euros, by the way, a little bit more than is to be expected. I'm looking at, it's all men. I'm not, I'm not sure you're allowed to join if you're a woman. But they're quite progressive because some of them have got long hair. And they've essentially blocked off a street. Um, and the guy with the ukulele has just come out. I think he went in for a wee. Or a line of coke, because he's very, he's very, uh, very pumped. See, he's the leader. He's got the drums. About five guys to his right, about ten guys to his left. And two dancers. Yeah, I think we're looking at 17-odd. Now I've done the counting. I'm going to run you through who's got what. Guy one, shaky, shaky thing. Guy two, guitar. Guy three, guitar. Guy four, 
small ukulele, or otherwise known as ukulele. Guy five, slacking it. Absolute lazy bastard. Tambourine, nothing more. Guy six, guitar. Guy seven, squeeze box, accordion. Guy eight, hand percussion. Guy nine, hand percussion. Guy 10, not doing, he's got no instruments, but he's just here to belt his voice. Guy 11, 12, 13, the same. I think they're tenors, they're standing at the back. Oh yeah, here we go. It's fucking really good. Let's just make it up. It's probably something like there used to be lots of islands full of people and then there was a volcano. I have to say I'm having a great time. Honestly, I've just, I've got a beer, it's 22 degrees, although these guys are dressed for fucking Moscow. And the fact they've blocked off this pedestrian street, like literally blocked off, you can't get past them unless you go round them through all the tables of the restaurant. Just chilling out here, watching a stream of <laughs> stream of people come past me, feeling very socially awkward because <laughs> uh, the only thing that ruins it a little bit is every motherfucker wants to film it. Why film it when you can describe it? painful detail. Good work, gentlemen. I've got one word there, manana. That means tomorrow. To the untrained ear, you would think it sounds very Mexican, wouldn't you? My ear is untrained, so I do. There's a woman who's clearly Portuguese, smiling. And I would honestly say she's 90. I'm not even kidding. She's, she's got a walking cane, but she's put it to one side so she can dance. 
which is <laughs> oh that's really got me that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen there isn't any other metaphor to why we're here then oh. she's smiling from ear to ear moving her body the best she can and enjoying the music and actually it's, it's actually really got me <laughs> I haven't even had much of a beer I've only had two swigs metaphor for life. to be uh, thinking about the next tune. Oh no, they're all going for a beer. The whole lot of them are all walking into the bar. Yeah. Well done, boys. They've all walked into the bar apart from the accordion guy who's, who's still going and one guitarist. And I'm just wondering... Maybe the accordion guy and the guitarist here don't drink. The accordion guy is, is not giving it his all, as you can hear. He's sort of like a mildly drunk bagpipe player that's slightly upset with the world. Oh, he's just stopped now. Quick as a flash, all the lads that went in are now coming out. And I'll probably leave it here, you get the idea, and it's never as good if you're not here, but I'll, I will say this. If you said to me two weeks ago, Vinny, you're going to be in the Azores, I'd have gone, am I? I only booked this last minute. If you said, yeah, not only are you going to be in the Azores, you're going to be sat outside, 22 degrees, drinking a three euro large beer whilst watching lots of men that look a bit like Harry Potter wearing full black three-piece suits with ties play the accordion while singing Azorian folklore and while all of that's going on you'll be looking at an old 90-year-old woman that almost brings you to a tear in the beauty of her enjoying the last part of her life. Anyway, if you said that to me, I'd go, that's fucking weird, mate. And, uh, and it is, but 
Well, what the hell is the point in life if it isn't for stuff like this? What is the point in life if it isn't for stuff like this? This was mixed and produced in the UK by WeMakePodcasts.uk. Podcasts.uk.